Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith and I am here to bring you the weekend warm-up, which will give you all the latest and greatest news and insight as we head into another Euros weekend with Germany. And also we'll touch on some of the things going on with Bayern Munich, who despite being out of action right now are still managing to make a lot of noise. And I'll start things off by saying I apologize for getting this out a little bit later than I wanted to. I had a bit of a late night last night. I usually record these on Thursday night, but uh, to get behind the uh, third wall or fourth wall, whatever you call it, uh, I had one kid have a soccer practice that was in uh, New Jersey. I had another one who had a soccer practice and then had to go to her championship softball game. So this all coincided with a night where my wife had uh, pre-planned a party for her co-workers. Uh, She's a teacher, so you know how teachers let loose at the end of the year. So I was basically outmanned. I was one versus three events. Uh, Opted to take my older daughter to her practice in New Jersey. Had to enlist my parents to take my younger daughter to her practice and then her softball game. And of course, uh, in the end, I end up at home at my wife's party, drink probably way too much, stay up until, uh, I don't know, I guess about 3.30, got up at 6.30 to, actually I got up at 5.45 to get my kids out the door uh, by about 7 so we could go work out. So yeah, in the end, uh, ended up missing uh, my younger daughter's team win the softball championship and also missed her hitting her first home run. So in the end, I am a bad parent and a drunk, apparently. So, um, you know, things started out great for this weekend warm up. But let's get down to the matters that you guys care about and not uh, the many ways in which I'm probably damaging my kids for life. Uh, uh, Germany, France. Uh, I'm going to be dead honest with you. Uh, we all saw the result of the game. 1-0 uh, on an own goal from Matt Hummels. Uh, which was a really tough play and really kind of unfair to him uh, to put any blame on him for how that played out. But uh, I'm okay with that result as Germany heads into Portugal this weekend. Uh, I mean, France is still the best team in the world. They're the reigning World Cup champions. They are by far the favorite, in my eyes, to win the Euros. And they are a strong, fast, and skilled team who are incredibly deep and can create problems for any team on earth. And Germany hung in with them punch for punch for the entirety of the match. Now, the problem with Germany is they had no knockout power in any of their punches. There was a bunch of little jabs, but really nothing that could really damage or hurt uh, the French. And that that was the, the primary issue. And I think what we all looked at in the in the wake of that game was that Germany's midfield of Ilkay Gondwan and Tony Cruz was a little bit overmatched. Um, Cruz, I thought, was far better than Gundogan. Uh, Gundogan just seemed slow out of it. His decision-making and reaction time was not great. Cruz was slightly better, but in the end, uh, it was really tough to think about the game and not wonder how things would have worked out if Leon Goretzka and Joshua Kimmich were anchoring the midfield there. In Yogi Love's 3-4-3 alignment, which we all can agree on, is is another point of contention for many. Um, but back to the France match, uh, I thought the defense was really, really good. I didn't have any problems with Antonio Rudiger, Mats Hummels, or Mats Ginter. I thought they were all, I thought they were all good, very good on the day. 
the biggest issue was how Germany approached things in the final third. And while they had better movement than, than past efforts, uh, they still had no uh, solution for how to really beat France. And it was very frustrating to watch at times. Uh, Serge Gnabry, I don't think, is really suited um, as much as he can play centrally, I don't think he's really suited for that role. Even playing a little more narrow like he is in this 3-4-3, I just don't think he is as good a player <clears throat> playing any more centrally or narrow as he is as a wing or wide player. Uh, and, and Yogi Love threw the, you know, he threw everything he had at France in trying to make this work. Obviously, Kai Havertz got off to a bad start, but you know, over the course of the game, we saw Havertz Gnabry, Moeller, Werner, Leroy Sané. I mean, Yogi Love tried everything he could to get things going, but France was, one, very strong defensively and in the midfield. And two, um, they, they had done just enough to just really frustrate Germany and not give any clear passing lanes for Germany to be uh, more aggressive or precise in the final third. And that again, that precise and precision, those are the things that have really plagued Germany throughout the last three years. They get to the final third, they're controlling possession, but either the final pass is not on target or the idea was there, but they can't connect. It was, it was really, really, you know, one of those situations where Germany just was not strong in the final third. And, and if, you know, they go in and play the same way against Portugal, it's going to kill them. So, uh, what I would expect to see from Germany is I don't know how much difference we'll see in the personnel. There are a lot of rumors right now that we'll see Timo Werner. And I actually think that that is a good thing. And uh, and here's why. And of course, like, you know, I'm the Timo time guy and all of that. And I take a lot of harassment on the Internet because I still believe that uh, Timo Werner is, is a really good player and, and has a bright future ahead of him. But I think if, if Bayern needs a way to kickstart things, they're going to need to attack quicker on the counter. And what better way to do that than put a blazer like Timo Werner up top? Uh, I would play him with Thomas Muller, and I would think about using Kai Havertz just because I think Havertz and Werner play well together. I would at least give the option to, to try and do something. And Havertz is also a speedster. And yeah, you know what? That probably puts Serge Gnabry and Leroy Sané on the bench. But... That's okay, because I think it gives Yogi Love the option to bring them in uh, when he needs a change of pace or to try and get things moving. So that's what I would do. Uh, defensively, I really wouldn't change anything unless you really unless you wanted to bring in Nicholas Sula for uh, Matthias Ginter. Uh, I mean, in the midfield, <laughs> it's it's tough. I don't foresee Yogi Love parting ways with Tony Kroos anytime soon. Uh, Leon Goretzka is supposed to be healthy, but we'll see if he is healthy enough to get the start because, I, I mean, Ilkay Gundogan was not good against France. Uh, I'm not a huge, huge fan of him. I understand he's had a great season, uh, especially with Manchester City uh, during the club season, but I, <clears throat> I'm just not a huge fan, and I think that ultimately for Germany to progress and move forward, uh, you know, they're going to have to look at a midfield of Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka and hope for the best. And as I look at this Portugal game, <clears throat> the obvious thing to say is that it is a must-win game for Germany. But by, na by the nature of this tournament, it is a must-win game for Portugal as well. Uh, 
right now, Germany is one of those uh, teams that could easily flame out of this. They need to show something. They need to show some life, some fight, anything, some creativity. I'm going to say Germany wins this match 2-1. to one. I know that's going to be an unpopular pick. Uh, do I firmly believe that it's going to happen? No. It's very hard to believe in anything Germany's doing right now because they just have not been that good. Portugal, meanwhile, is almost very tough to bet against at this point. They're not a great squad, but they just seem better than Germany right now. But because I'm dumb and probably because I'm a little hungover, I'll go with Germany 2-1. And as for what this Germany side will look like under Hansi Flick, we began to saw we began to saw reports. I can't even talk today. <laughs> it's pretty funny, but we did start to see reports. Uh, earlier this week about how things might look under Hansi Flick and how it might affect the roster. Now, we know that Hansi Flick is a fan of players like Timo Werner and Kai Havertz, and obviously those players could have larger or more expanded roles as uh, Germany's progression uh, under Flick evolves. But uh, I think immediately the thing that we saw jump out is that Ilkay Gundogan and Toni Kroos were immediately going to evaluate their futures with Germany after the Euros. And the rationale behind that was that they are both well aware that Hansi Flick already wants to move on with a midfield of Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka. Now, whatever the formation Flick uses, we won't know until he takes over. I would assume he'll probably want to go back to a 4-2-3-1 and really maximize the talent he has. It's kind of unbelievable that Yogi Love has not even tried this, but... Um, Knowing Hansi Flick, that's probably how he's going to, to roll, and he's probably going to use Kimmich and Goretzka as a foundation. The other interesting thing we saw was that Thomas Muller uh, is really open to continuing on, even as a, as a veteran, going up into his final years, really, as a player. Uh, he still wants to keep going for the national team, and I think Flick is, is a coach, one, that understands how to use Muller, and two... Uh, can find a way to make him effective. And we all saw how Muller's career was really revitalized under Flick. I think it's a, it's a match made in heaven, really. And Muller's going to be there whether he's on the field and contributing or on the bench as a leader. He is a player that you want around. And that was the most confounding thing about Yogi Love and his decision to cut players like Muller and Mats Hummels and Jerome Boateng. These were leaders, people... These were people who other players looked up to, who other players counted on for guidance. And to lop them off when he did, it really just set Germany back two, three, four, five years. However long this malaise is going to go on, uh, we can probably point back to that. Because while the 2018 World Cup was an uh, was <laughs> unmitigated disaster, to say the least, uh, how Yogi Love decided to approach the post-2018 formation of Germany was the problem and lopping off such good veterans, such reliable players as Muller, Hummels, and Boateng was a, was a huge mistake that Germany is still paying for to this day. But I think one thing is certain, we are all looking forward to Hansi Flick taking over Germany, putting some life into the squad, coming up with some new ideas, and really being able to get back to playing German football, which right now I don't think they are. And that'll do it for what we're going to talk about with Germany. And we are going to switch over to some Bayern Munich news. And uh, a couple of the big stories this week 
that, that came out uh, really involved Julian Nagelsmann and his uh, rumored uh, formation of choice for Bayern Munich. Now, the big debate <clears throat> among everyone in the Bayern Munich fan base is how Nagelsmann was going to line up this team and how he's going to utilize the personnel that he has on the roster. And while many of us, including me, were hoping that he wasn't going to come in and really try and uh, rewrite history here, <laughs> I was hoping to see a, a 4-2-3-1 just because I think the roster is best set up for that. I think the recent investments that the club has made in players like Leroy Sané and the investments that they're going to make, it appears, in, uh, in extending players like Serge Gnabry, uh, I, I feel like the 4-2-3-1 is the way to go. Uh, the issue is I'm not Julian Nagelsmann, and it appears he'll be using a 3-4-3, which is the same formation Germany is using right now. So as a quick aside on that, the 3-4-3, while, while Bayern has personnel that can operate in that manner, and they certainly have enough, enough depth defensively to make it work, I feel like it's wasting the talents of players like Leroy Sané and Serge Gnabry and Kingsley Coman. Uh, these are players that the club's invested in. Coman is here till 2023. Gnabry is here till 2023. Uh, Sané just signed a long-term deal. By utilizing a formation where you're not going to get the best out of those players, I feel like the club has kind of put itself in a bad spot if this is indeed how Nagelsmann decides to go. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan of, of signing Leroy Sané for a number of reasons. I think he's a, a very good talent, but I do think uh, he's essentially limited in what he can do uh, on the pitch. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that with Germany right now as he's had a lot of trouble shifting uh, to a more narrow role. He is a, a good wide player, but he I think he's limited in his shooting. I think he's way too reliant on his very good left foot. Uh, and while you know there are players who have made a career of that, Aryan Robin for one, I don't think Leroy Sané is quite at that level. And I think that uh, his reliance on basically only using his left uh, cost him opportunities this year and cost Bayern Munich goals. Uh, I don't like him playing any more narrow uh, than, than as pretty much a, a normal right wing. When he starts to slide in centrally, I think he loses his effectiveness. And even the times where he floats around and doesn't maintain his position and kind of interchanges with other players, I think that's when he's at his worst. And I would say similarly, uh, Kingsley Coman is another player who I think is, is built to play out wide. And I think... In a 3-4-3 or a 3-4-1-2 or a 3-5-2, whatever this formation ends up being, I think you're going to lose the effectiveness of those wings, which then creates a whole separate issue of how do you then backfill the roster to get players that can help you uh, playing in a more narrow role. And, and then what happens with players like Sané and Gnabry and Coman? Obviously, with Coman, uh, the ongoing negotiations that, that he's having uh, and issues that they are having in trying to work out a new deal, uh, the obvious answer could be that he could be a candidate for a sale either this summer or next. Uh, and while Julian Nagelsmann has reportedly said he wants to work with Coman, uh, we're not so sure that Coman really wants to be at Bayern Munich any longer just based on the report. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what plays out with that. But 
I don't know how uh, Nagelsmann is going to work with these players who are accustomed to playing a wider uh, traditional wing role. And, uh, you know, one of the things we saw was uh, the option of dropping Gnabry to right back, which, um, while it would not be, uh, I guess, crazy to think that Gnabry could make it, it's kind of crazy to me to think that he would want to make that role. Now, every player is going to say he'll do what's best for the team. But eventually, when you're a goal scorer like Gnabry, you're going to want to be in a better position to score goals. And that's not going to happen uh, as a right wing back. So this this whole situation uh, regarding the formation that Nagelsmann could use at Bayern Munich is going to take a lot of twists and turns. Uh, but one thing is clear. There's going to be change on Savinor Strasse. There is going to be uh, a lot of confusion at the beginning. This could be a rocky, rocky start for Nugglesman. And it's not that he's not a great manager or that he's not great with working with players. I just don't know that he's got the personnel set up right now to really work with this formation in the way that he'll want to. He is lucky in the respect that Byron has good backline depth, at least as of now, and that Alfonso Davies seems perfectly set up to, to be utilized as a left wing back. Um, you know, he also has access to players like Robert Lewandowski and Thomas Muller and Leon Goretzka and Joshua Kimmich, who are all world class. So those things will help him work this out. But it's how do you manage the three wings? How do you find a consistent player to play right wing back if you don't consider Benjamin Pavar as a viable option there? I could see Pavar there, but by every single report we have seen over the last month, Bayern Munich and Nagelsmann alike are looking to backfill that spot and replace Pavar so he can move inside to play center back. Which, of course, brings us to Niklas Sula, <laughs> who may or may not have a role under Nagelsmann. So this, there are so many things that could happen. Uh, and, and, and we'll touch on that in the next segment here where we'll discuss transfers. But um, there are just so many things could happen. And, you know, it'll be fascinating to see how it plays out. But... I'm already a little pessimistic for how this season will start. I just think there's going to be a lot of growing pains and there's going to be some time needed for adjustment to move from one formation to another. And as as much as all of us would like to say, hey, these are professionals, they should be able to make this change seamlessly, it's not that easy. Uh, the roles and responsibilities and the buy-in to those roles and responsibilities, uh, they can really, I mean, it's tough to get that. And uh, if you're going to ask a player like Leroy Sané to potentially play as as a more narrow player or even as, you know, a gasp wing back at times, like, do you think that he's going to buy into that? Same for Kingsley Coman. Uh, are they going to be able to be as effective playing more narrow as they were out wide? And, and those are all things that we're going to have to find out the answers to. And it's going to have to happen quickly because... What we know about the Bundesliga uh, coming up this season is it's going to be competitive. And if there is a year to get Bayern Munich, this might be it. And speaking of that, we will now shift over to the, the transfers. Uh, and we're just going to cut touch on a couple ones. And we've kind of hit on the two big ones, Kingsley Coman and Nicolas Sula uh, already. So we'll just take a little bit of an extended view at Coman and just give you the update. Where we know he's at is negotiations have stalled. He wants a lot of money. In fact, he wants Leroy Sané money. And Bayern Munich is in no rush to pay him that money. And with his contract ending in 2023, 
this whole thing could drag out for another year. Uh, we could be having the same discussion next summer. The only difference will be there will be an absolute sense of urgency to sell Coman next summer because Bayern Munich is not in a position to let themselves lose any more players for free like they did with David Alaba, Jerome Boateng, or Javi Martinez. So uh, I'm not overly optimistic about Coman at this point. Uh, while I think uh, some of the reports are a bit overdone, I don't know how serious the... <laughs> The news is that he absolutely wants to play in the Premier League. I don't know that he has an absolute um, has absolutely drawn a line in the sand to get Leroy Sané money. Um, I mean, I know he's got the case because he was probably the best and most effective winger over the course of the season, but we just don't know how serious these reports are and how much how much posturing is going on from Coman's camp, which is being led by the infamous Pini as a hobby. So. Um, we'll keep an eye on that. But as of right now, things do not look good. It seems like Coman, if you believe what's out there, wants to move on and that Bayern Munich is, is willing to help him do that, but they're going to want to be paid. And right now in this market, to find someone that, that's going to be willing to pay upwards of 70 to $80 million for an oft-injured winger, um, the best I could say is good luck. As for Nicholas Sula, uh, wow, this is a tough one because he is another player uh, that Bayern needs to make a decision on relatively quickly. His contract ends in 2022, and what we know is that Sula has kind of hedged right now as to committing whether he wants to sign a new deal with Bayern, and in turn, the club has kind of done the same. They want to get with him and discuss things as soon as possible. But obviously, this is all going to have to wait until after the Euros. Uh, Sula has been linked to Chelsea, which would be kind of an interesting move to see him play under Thomas Tuchel. But I think Sula still has a lot to offer Bayern Munich. And the fact that he's kind of been overlooked and kind of pushed to the side is, is it's alarming to me as an observer and someone who watches the team daily. Uh, I think Sula has, of all the center backs, which include Luca, Luca Hernandez, Tengai Nianzu, uh, Dio Upamakano, Benjamin Pavar, Chris Richards, uh, Lars Lucas Mai. Uh, I think Sula still has the highest ceiling of all of them. And I, I think that is, a, believe me, I think that center back group is extremely talented. I think they are, are good. And I believe in players like Chris Richards and Lars Lucas Mai and Tengai Nianzu. Those are players I think are going to be good, solid, starting caliber caliber players over the course of their career. I'm especially a huge fan of Richards. And in an odd way, his career with Bayern Munich is going to be tied to Nicholas Sula. If Sula stays, I could totally see Richards moving back to Hoffenheim for another year. And I could see Bayern being okay with that because it's a great spot for him. He's under He'd be working under a, a coach that, one, believes in him, and two, will give him playing time in Sebastian Honus. Uh, so for me, uh, no matter what happens with Sula, I would be okay with Richards going back and getting that extra year of development at Hoffenheim. But if Sula does move on, I think that we are going to see Richards come back because I think he offers one, a lot of things defensively. He's obviously very good on the ball defending. He's good in the air and he's an excellent passer from the back, uh, but again, these two players, it's in a weird way, will be connected through whatever the club decides with Sula. I'm hoping that Sula will re-sign. Uh, this is the ultimate summer for him. He has to 
probably sign a new deal within the next four to five weeks, or he'll probably have to start looking for a flat in London, unfortunately. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that one as well. Uh, it really could go a lot of different ways. Um, it's just really uh, unfortunate that it's gotten to this stage. I think Sula is a, is a really, really uh, good, solid player, and I think he's one that you'd want to build around and not one you'd want to let go as he starts to enter the prime of his career. And the last bit of transfer news that we'll look at, uh, we'll stay away from the whole goalkeeping mess that's going on because there's just a swirl of rumors around Alexander Newbold where he might end up. Uh, but we'll focus on the one we saw about Denzel Dumfries from Netherlands, who uh, has made a little bit of a name for himself here in the Euros. But he uh, is a player that Bayern Munich is allegedly looking at to potentially bring in and play that right wing back role um, that Julian Nagelsmann would like to have. Uh, the problem is for Dumfries is that he has a reportedly has a $15 million release clause. And while that is not does not seem like a lot of money in a normal market. In this in this market, that's probably a lot to play for, a lot to pay for a player like Dumfries who has potential but might not be able to do it on a week in week out in the Bundesliga. Obviously, you would only know that by bringing him in and signing him. But uh, for fifteen million dollars, it is a gamble that Bayern Munich might not be willing to take. So uh, that's where everything is lined up uh, as we head into this. Weekend of the Euros, uh, there is a lot to watch. Obviously, the, I think the games have been great. Uh, and just being able to follow the Euros and then all of the stuff that is going on with Bayern Munich, whether it's the transfers or Nagelsmann's formation and all of the front office drama, it's been, really fa it's been a really fascinating time to follow uh, not just Germany, but also Bayern Munich. So I hope you guys are doing that daily on the site. I hope you enjoy these weekend warm-up podcasts. I appreciate you listening. Uh, check out our site this weekend. We're going to have comprehensive coverage of Germany's match. We're going to have all the latest and greatest Germany and Bayern Munich news. So stay with us, hang with us. Uh, drop me some comments in the uh, sec the comment section to this post. I'd love to hear from you. You can also reach out to me on social media at the Barrel Blog. Love hearing from you guys, and uh, have a good weekend. Hopefully, uh, you're able to relax and. Uh, Maybe unwind, drink a couple of beers like I did last night. Hopefully you just are in a little better shape than I am this morning as I record this podcast. So thanks for listening and we will see you next time.